What's up, witches? I'm Rachel LaForest, and Leah Knauer is at her boyfriend's house, so I am recording this intro from her closet, and we are your basic witches. It's wild, wild times, isn't it? Um, We dive into that and much more on this episode with Dr. Annette Ilg, who happens to be my sister. She is an amazingly talented emergency room and ICU doctor who in this pandemic is now stepping up to the plate in a almost completely COVID ICU, meaning about 90% of her patients all have COVID. And she's, as you'll hear on this episode, you know, helping them six days a week. And um, we're really excited to bring you this conversation with a doctor who is on the front lines right now. And we got to ask her how she's feeling and what's going on, giving you an inside look at the front lines with, you know, a a soldier in this war. Um, Thank you again to everyone for keeping her and other healthcare workers in your thoughts and prayers and spells and anything you can do to help. Um, If you want to help your basic witches, then leave us an iTunes review. It's amazing how something as easy as a five-star iTunes review can help so much, but... That's the world we're living in. So we really appreciate if you can leave us a five-star review there. And we are excited to be going live at 555 on at Basic Witches. That's our Instagram where we go live at 5.55 p.m. Pacific every Tuesday on Blazin' with Basic Witches. So if you're down, come check us out there. We have cool guests giving magic tips and spell work. And also, we let you into the live so we can give you card readings and so the other witches in the coven can help hold space for you for whatever you're trying to manifest or heal. So it's super powerful and super fun. Um, We hope to see you there Tuesday at 555. And until then, enjoy this episode with Dr. Annette. Oh, I feel like it's such a mixture, though. You know, there's some people who are so diligent and you can tell they're taking all the precautions and other people Mm. are like, what world are you living in right now? Yesterday I saw pictures of, um, and we can like, talk about this later or you know just talk about now but yesterday I saw pictures of people in Manhattan Beach like doing a protest saying that COVID-19 is a lie and she's like I cannot believe that there are people like that out there meanwhile people like you and that are like dealing with it personally on the front lines so it's just like so frustrating I, I can't imagine do you feel that way do you see that I so I try not to mm. spend too much time yeah. paying attention to some of those types of things because it is uh, it is so absurd, the <laughs> reaction that some people have taken. And so I think because I know what I can do on an everyday basis to have an impact on people, mm-hmm. that spending my hours outside of the hospital occupying my mind in frustration based on that has not been particularly helpful for me. Yeah, Um, of course. So so I don't spend a lot of time looking at it. Obviously, I think I hear about it more so from other colleagues or friends. And Mm -hmm. every example that I hear about is so frustrating, Mm -hmm. just like that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I deleted Twitter the other day because I was like checking the news way too often. And I like it was Mm. for real starting to like have an impact on my health. And it sucks because I like love being informed. But like this is a better reality for me where I'm like a little bit ignorant. Mm. It's such a tough line of being like fully informed on everything, mm-hmm. but then also not being overwhelmed by what's happening in the world and the amount of information out there. So, I mean, I stay informed obviously through my mm-hmm. job and through the, what feels like endless amount of emails about, you know, this protocol, that protocol, this test and this policy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, more of like the scientific studies being done, but even that is just a challenge to keep up with that. Mm. If I, you know, in addition, tried to keep up with the varying news stations, like I just, I don't think there's not enough, not enough time in the day yeah, yeah. to even do it. I mean, yeah, you're sp- like, speaking of not enough time, I mean, you're almost 24 seven working right now. <laughs> like, how do you even have time to eat? Like you're so in it. Well, I mean, I am working a lot. I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not physically working 24 seven, thankfully. Um, you know, I'm probably working six days a week and have a day not in the hospital. Mm. Um, but you know, the good thing is that the hospital where I work at in Boston, you know, I chose working here for a reason because the people there, are both, you know, very well trained and they're great at their job, but they're also great human beings. And so mm-hmm. they recognize that this is both a stressful environment for the patients, the families, but for every person who steps inside the building. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they do take time to check in with us to try to see like, where are you struggling? What what can I do to help you? Um, and so it's been so impressive to see the efforts from you know, so many different waves, you know, whether it's a company donating things to nurses or, you know, our program director just reaching out being like, Hey, let's sit and have like a virtual lunch and just like check in on how you're feeling. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, that makes me really happy to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) But six days a week, I mean, that's still so much. It is, it is a lot and it is, um, cause what were you, how often were you going into the hospital before this? Well, um, because I'm, toward the end of my training, you know, when you're in residency or fellowship, which is like your years after medical school, Mm -hmm. um, you generally work a lot of days, a lot of hours because it's like your core training in your specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was still going in close to six days a week. So my hours haven't changed dramatically. It's more, um, through this program I'm in, you might do some electives in other other fields, like spending a, a week learning about um, cardiology or just the kidneys or things like that. Versus right now, we've kind of canceled all of that extra or elective things, and it's just straight ICU every day. Um, yeah. So it's just that maybe where you're physically at is a little bit different, but the number of days I'm in the hospital, it hasn't changed too dramatically for me because Mm. that's what I do. You know, ICU and emergency medicine, which is a pretty full-time gig. Mm. So what has changed though is, is the focus, like you said, and what has that been like for you as a doctor, like that now you're 
you have one mission now, right? Like you're basically not even seeing other patients. You're Mm. all COVID patients. For the most part, yeah. And it's such an interesting change for us because it's not only COVID because there still are other sick patients, but the majority of it, you know, maybe 75 or 80% of these really sick patients Mm. have COVID. Mm -hmm. And so you know, for most of this month and last month, that is primarily what I would do every day, every hour of the day is take care of patients with COVID. Mm-hmm. And as everyone has read in the news, you know, there's no one fix, there's no one treatment. And so I think that's so challenging for us as doctors, because we we love making people better. We love solution or fixing them. Um, but unfortunately, we haven't found that miracle yet. Mm-hmm. And these patients are sick for so long, you know, an average of two weeks or more on a ventilator, which is a really, really long amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, such an interesting and in trying to just simplify it so much. It's like as if you had one job where you were focusing on one specific problem and you focused on that problem every hour of every single day. There's no change of pace. There's no, Mm. this patient has a stroke. This patient has a heart attack. This patient has a gallbladder problem. It's every single patient you think about has the exact same problem when you never have the answer and you never know how to fix it. And so it's like you go, you wake up every morning and you think about it all day long and you do everything you can. Mm -hmm. I'm getting this visual. What's that? Yeah. Well, I'm getting a visual of you being like in a lifeboat that's filling with water and you're trying to throw out buckets of water to keep mm-hmm. it from sinking. Like mm-hmm. just trying like to as it's coming up. in. Yeah. As it's pouring mm-hmm. in. Is that kind of what it feels like in a hospital? Um, in some ways it is almost a little bit more of like organized chaos in that um, thankfully you know, we weren't, Boston wasn't the first city in the U.S. to really take this on. Mm-hmm. So we've learned, you know, from a lot of our colleagues in Seattle and in New York. And so we, I think we have a really great team of directors who have um, been preparing and preparing for this. And so we had plans A, B, C, D, E, F, et cetera, like mm-hmm. in line. And so even though we're well over double our capacity of ventilators and ICU patients. They were so good about organizing things and um, repurposing people that um, there's so much uncertain and there's so much chaos, but that at least we know that we're trying to be organized and systematic as best we can. Mm -hmm. So that's at least helpful. Yeah. We were wondering about that with repurposing people. Like, mm-hmm. are there, we, Leah and I were thinking about, you know, um, nurses or doctors who just got out there and just started their like on in the field training. Yeah. Are they now just having to step up and like dive, dive in? in? Um, well, it's different in every city, as you've seen. And in California, mm-hmm. you know, it's so variable what, what part of the Bay Area you're in or what hospital in LA you're in, how much that hospital has been impacted. And obviously rural areas, not so much. So for us, we've had a lot of um, nurses kind of focusing on a different level of critically ill patients. So, patient, so nurses who would have taken care of patients that were on the floor, who were 
you know, sick enough to be in the hospital, but not on a ventilator. So we've been trying to retrain them on taking care of patients on ventilators and, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of in, you know, more of like a coma getting infused all these medications to, mm. to stay on the ventilator, mm. um, which is a pretty scary thing. I think as a nurse, if you've been doing one thing for 20 years mm. and then to take care of a patient who's completely different than everything you've ever known. Wow. So we've yeah. had a lot more of that. Not, not necessarily. I mean, they are graduating a lot of nurses and getting them out there, but at our, at my specific hospital, we haven't had as much of like brand new nurses. Okay that I've worked with yet anyway. It's more so retraining experienced people in a new thing that they just don't have experience in. Yes, exactly. Wow. Well, a little good news. My um, grandmother was in the hospital for like two weeks with COVID, tested positive. Um, But she was just released yesterday and her 92nd birthday is in a few days. Um, Yeah, thankfully she didn't need to be on a ventilator ever. And the doctor said that she was amazing. So I'm very grateful that it took a turn that way because for a week I was like, you know, really anxious. Um, yeah you said she was in the hospital for a week or or like two weeks two weeks she was really weak she couldn't walk that was like her main thing but yeah she could breathe okay so she Mm. never had to be on a ventilator but it's just like I can't imagine you know and and none of us could really talk to her can't visit her obviously so it's like it's very kind of isolating and I think a lot of people feel that um as we're all going through this, like on a global level. Yeah. How was that for your family? Did you feel like just totally in the dark about how she was doing? I mean, kind of, yeah. Because like, we couldn't really get updates unless like someone from the hospital called. Um, Thankfully, my dad's on a board of a hospital. So I think he got the in. But yeah, it's just like, it's, it felt very real you know? Yeah. Um, what, uh, besides like staying home and washing our hands, what can people be doing, if anything, to stop the spread and, or maybe even just to help you nurses and doctors and medical workers? I think, I mean, those are the biggest things, social distancing. And the more you can reach out to your family, your friends, and instill that in other people because there's been a huge effort but of course not everyone are following these Mm -hmm. ideas Mm -hmm. so that's really the the best thing that you can do to help um and you've seen you know so many statistics i think one that may apply more to your followers Mm -hmm. um, from the la area one interesting thing that i was reading was that if if people were to return to normal, say now, back to life as it was, that by August, that 96% of the LA County would be infected with COVID. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, and that if you were to continue or maybe even tighten what you were doing, that Mm. it would maybe only 30% or even potentially slightly less by August, which is a huge amount of people and amount of resources in just LA County. Right. I, I know what you're referring to. I read that same um, article with the uh, predictive calculations. Mm-hmm. And um, the when you said tightening up, what they were suggesting, 
testing is like even less trips to the grocery store. For example, Mm -hmm. some people are just going once a week and that's too much right Mm -hmm. now. It Mm -hmm. it needs to be if possible, more like once a month, um, which is what we're trying to do. But I know that like, you know, places like the New York, they don't have cars, so they have to Mm -hmm. carry their groceries and they can only get so much at one time. But any, any amount of tightening up, like, it's crazy to me that uh, our fucking leaders, people in political <laughs> positions are saying, oh, oh, actually also Dr. fucking Oz. Um, I hate that he even gets to be called a doctor right now, but he's, he's said stuff about, well, let's just get the kids back in school because it's, uh, it's only two to 3% of the population that would die if we did that. And then, oh, wow. And then people are like, okay, you have five kids, Dr. Oz. Are you okay with losing one of them? Like, yeah. oh what the God. fuck? But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like, that is so, I hope that our masses don't listen to people like that. I know some I know. people are listening to those figureheads, but. I know. And Florida beaches, it like reopened something in Texas. They're like loosening their, yeah, I, I'm very no. scared of like the leaders. They're like ruining it for all of us if they do that. Yeah, I feel like I've seen so many more cars on the street in Boston than I did when things were initially starting. Oh, no. Um, What? I mean, not not like traffic jams, but much more than I felt the first two weeks that these precautions were put in place. And who knows where these people are going or what they're doing, but it just surprising me. Yeah. Um, When you watch videos of like Wuhan, you know, it would be like maybe you'd see a car once a minute, something yeah. like that, drive down the road. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, Oof. yeah. And I mean, the oh, the idea of sending children back to school is less so scary for the children, but for all of their parents and grandparents. It's right. like, all we know, they these kids have a cold and they carry this illness with them and they just spread it around like wildfire mm-hmm. to all these other people. And then... <sighs> Dr. Annette, (laughs) I want to know what is the, how forward thinking are you thinking right now? Like, are you, are you thinking, okay, this is the first of many super bugs now that, you know, humankind has, uh, like, it's, it's going to happen again. Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about this fall with the possibility of a resurgence? Like how far forward are you thinking Mm. on this? Well, first, I love that you said Dr. Annette, because only with <laughs> pediatric patients do you ever like introduce yourself like that because kids are so afraid of you, you know? Oh, yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm Dr. Annette, even though you would, you know, that sounds silly and yeah. another to an adult. It yeah, was, it was just too <laughs> fitting that you said it. Um, but um, I would say forward thinking at times because, it, you know, I want to, uh, of course, be in the present and doing everything I can on a day to day basis. I think. One good thing is that because of this happening, so many, you know, big medical centers like this one are realizing how much we need to prepare in advance for when this happens again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, having so many more resources and and backup plans available. And so I think that that's really great. It's hard to know what impact is this month or two or three or four months of 
the way all of our lives have changed, like how is this going to play into every field, not just medicine, but every mm-hmm. other field in the world of how we operate on a day-to-day basis? It's really hard to know. Um, I am very much worried that there will be a, you know, a resurgence or another peak because I think as Americans, we, we, we can be very bold at times. And I think Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of people who don't continue to follow social distancing. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, you know, the the good thing is that as far as we can see, things have peaked in New York, but all of those hospitals are still at capacity, completely full with these Mm -hmm. patients. So just as people start to loosen what they're doing, then Mm -hmm. these new sick patients are going to come in and there's nowhere to put them. There's nowhere to take care of them. And that's a very, very real Uh, thing that could happen yeah well something we're struggling with with my grandmother is like we can't hire really a doctor or a nurse to look after her because no one wants to get it so it's like even when she leaves the hospital what are the options you know it's like like, she has to just be alone yeah which that sucks too and she's also a fall risk because she's weak so it's like well, most um so most centers are kind of restructuring all those facilities. So like nursing facilities or rehab facilities are becoming either COVID positive units or COVID negative. And so they're trying to cohort patients like your grandmother somewhere where she would be with other people who have had it or recently Mm -hmm. had it. Um, And there's no reason to think as far as we know that you would, you know, get this again, at least not in the short term during this phase. I was just going to ask, yeah, does that so they can't get it like immediately again. It would take some time. As far as we know, like if you think about it, like the flu uh, or SARS, perhaps then um, you know the flu kind of comes around every season. It's a slightly different strain. We get the flu shot based on last year's flu that came around, and they try oh. to optimize it every year based on what the what strain, how how that virus kind of genetically shifted or drifted from from the prior year. And so, you know, COVID-19, you know, it's, it's a coronavirus, it's similar to SARS, it could, it could come back another time, but most likely it will have genetically changed enough. And so for most viruses like this, you don't typically get that same strain again. So like a couple of weeks later, you're not likely to like pick up this same or, or very similar virus, but, mm-hmm. you know, a year or years from now, or like that next season, Sure, we don't we don't know how this virus may change in the future. Um, it's more of something like that, like more of like an annual type thing, okay. kind of how the flu works. So, is there maybe going to be like a coronavirus shot, like a flu shot? Well, that's the hope. Um, okay. The hope is, and there's lots of studies going on to develop a vaccine, and that our our hope is that if we social distance enough to prevent so many people from ever getting the disease. And during that time, we're able to develop a vaccine, then we can give that vaccine to all of those people who haven't gotten the, the virus mm. yet, and then hopefully to prevent them from getting it. That's okay. one, one wow. of the many goals of like where research is heading yeah. right now. So I got the flu shot this year, but that doesn't like protect me in any way from this, right? Like it's totally different things. Totally different. Right, exactly. And that's why people get so, well, a lot of people don't believe in the flu shot or get frustrated by it. Like, I got the flu shot, but I still got the flu. 
Um, and that's yeah, but... because, um, again, you know, the virus comes around, we study it, we develop mm-hmm. a vaccine based on it. And then you're mm-hmm. given that vaccine based on last year's strain, because generally a virus will have some shifting or drifting. Those are like genetic terms. Um, over the year, but won't have these major changes. And so the hope is that if you get the vaccine based on last year's virus, that you have like a pretty good shot that you won't get it, but it's not perfect, right? Because the virus does adapt over time. Oh, man. Such a tough battle. Yeah. <clears throat> what is, do you feel like you're in soldier mode, Annette? Um, in some ways, I think because because the ICUs are so, so full and um, so many people are coming to help, which is great. And and as we talked about, you know, nurses being kind of redistributed to these fields. Um, And so as much as this has been such a a horrible thing that is happening in the world, I've been very grateful that because this is what I do, this is the field that I chose. I feel like I have been able to help a lot of people, whether that's just training them about ventilators or about medications or about how we take care of these specific types of patients. And so it's been, I think really, you know, it always feels good when you can help other people, obviously, Mm -hmm. and whether that's the patients or just the other residents or the nurses or things like that. So um, I've been happy that I've been able to have a really um, big impact. And in that way, I guess, feels kind of like you're a soldier and you're leading and you're trying to going in against this battle that you're up against every day. You know, it's not even one battle. It's like this war because it's months long of the same battle that you're going into every day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just realizing how synchronistic it is that you chose this field specifically. Like, do you feel that sense of I'm meant to be on this path? Mm. Um, that's a good question. I mean, yes, in that I feel that I've, I finally found what it is that I, I guess I, I wanted to do and where I can have the most impact on other people. Um, and that's what I, I love about this field that it's, it's so, it's so intense and time consuming and really all consuming, but by buying in and kind of giving it that 100%, you impact so many people. And when they're at the sickest moments of their lives for the patients and for the families. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with what I do. And that makes going in six days a week um, not possible as much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think whenever you, you quote work or you have a job that you're not really passionate about, then it's always like checking the time and the clock of like Mm. when I can be done. And that's, that's not really what this is for me. You know, I can be there for 10, 12, 24, 28 hours. um, But there's so, there's so much going on and there's so many things um, to help with that. I think it, it passes in such a different way. Mm -hmm. I mean, even before all of this, you're going into work to save lives lives you're an ER doctor and an ICU doctor like that's what you chose yeah so but it's just crazy that now this worldwide pandemic happens to be in your path like that you chose so you and other doctors like you it just seems like 
you're the captains. You're the captains now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know all of the, you know, rankings with different military like colonels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Colonel Annette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we have like our, our directors of the hospital that are kind of like leading how we, you know, we call them surge ICUs. I don't know if you've heard that term. No. Um, but you know, between different doctors at different hospitals, we call them surge planning because it's we're mm. uh, just basically creating spaces and areas of the hospital that were once used for something else and we're making like turning them into ICUs. So these wow. are mm. surge. I mean, I may be a leader in one specific ICU of, you know, 10 patients with this team, but obviously there's so many people leading above me who are like directing all of the ICUs and all of the hospital and mm. things like that. Yeah, right. Hey, witches. While we're talking about healthcare in this episode, it's important to also think about your mental health care. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. We are so excited to be partnered with BetterHelp. They are an online, completely virtual, licensed professional therapist service that you can start communicating with in under 24 hours. They have a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. And no matter where you are in the world, BetterHelp can help you because they have clients and therapists worldwide. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can start doing weekly video or phone sessions. It's perfect for this time of isolation. And we know that during this pandemic, a lot of distractions have been removed, causing people to focus internally. And so if you want some help feeling better internally in order to start living a happier life today, then BetterHelp can help you. And we have a discount for you. Visit betterhelp.com slash basic witches. That's better com slash basic witches, and you will get 10% off your first month. We really, really hope that that can help you out. And now back to the episode. What do you think this like this whole pandemic has brought to light about our privatized healthcare system and just the healthcare system overall? Um, I don't I don't know actually how much that's been talked about in the news. It's not been a particular area I've been following as much, but I don't know if it even applies quite as much because mm. these patients are coming in, you know, whether they were in a more socialized uh, healthcare system, these patients are all coming in in emergency situations. And that's kind of an area that um, bridges some of those lines where, mm. you know, if this is an emergency problem or a critical illness, then, you know, generally in most systems, you're going to get the care that you need um, versus whether it's something that is not an emergency, but something that you need to be followed long-term, like how your access to care um, shifts in that situation. So oh, I think there's so many nuances, obviously, of mm. how our healthcare system works versus our neighbors in Canada and how their healthcare system works. Mm -hmm. But um, as you can see across the world, there I wouldn't say any healthcare system is thriving in this situation. And mm -hmm. it doesn't yeah. tell me one way or another that because of this specific, that doesn't again mean I'm for one or the other, but sure, yeah. I don't feel that COVID-19 has told me 
oh, you know, we're doing this wrong. Um, okay. I suppose that's a good thing. They're all kind of like in the about, same um, battle. Yeah. Well, and that is a good point that it's because it's emergency because um, I didn't think about that, but I do know from, unfortunately from experience that um, in our country, even though we have private healthcare, if you show up in an emergency room and have an emergency, you will be treated regardless of insurance or money. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. so yeah, that's basically um, almost treated like not private. It's, it's almost more like a socialist emergency system. So I didn't think about that before. Good point. Yeah. So we have like laws in, in the U S that, you know, because unfortunately at times there were systems or like, you know, hospitals in in our country that would Mm -hmm. refuse caring for perhaps it was the homeless or, or, Mm -hmm. or drunk people who came in and, you know, things like that. And so now there's laws, the law MTALA is the one that we specifically go by that we in any emergency, we will treat all patients equal, um, regardless of race, gender, Mm -hmm. uh, finances, insurance, none of that. Like, I don't know any patient's insurance in the emergency department and you treat them all the same. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad for that too. I wish it was besides just emergencies, but at least, at least we have that. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Are you scared about getting it? Dr. Annette, um, you're, you're, you're literally around this all the time. I, I go back and forth with that. I think at times I, I tell myself, to be honest, I, I probably already have it, you know, really found it all the time. Um, I haven't had any particular symptoms. I've felt fine other than maybe a little bit tired just from working, but nothing really unusual. Um, so part of me thinks, you know, there's like such a good chance. I mean, um, there were times, you know, prior to a lot of these social distancing that I was at the grocery store or I could have been exposed in an environment like that or at the hospital where, you know, we have a couple of hundred of patients mm. that have the disease. So part of me thinks that. And then part of me worries when, you know, you hear about, or I take care of other doctors who are on the ventilator, who are in their thirties or or patients who are in their twenties. And, um, you know, again, that's a small percentage. Of course, most 20 year olds who get the disease do fine. Um, but yeah, at moments there, there is a, a, a fear that I could be that, tiny, tiny percent of right. unfortunate people who yeah. have that severe disease. Mm-hmm. What is that like caring for other doctors who, is this like people who were your coworkers and now they're, they have it? Um, I, uh, there are, you know, I have had coworkers who have, have contracted COVID-19. Um, none of them, you know, that I know personally have been, severely sick they've more just you know had to go home and quarantine and those sorts of things um but we have had other doctors and nurses who have been um, patients again these aren't people I I specifically know they may you know work in Boston somewhere else or work nearby um but we're also very young so I think that just creates a little bit more of that like realness factor to you that they're so similar to you they're so young, so healthy, obviously very well informed, yet somehow they unfortunately contracted this disease. And 
um, you know, we're on the ventilator for weeks. Um, and there's just so many problems with just that whole dynamic of being on the ventilator and the, the number of medications that you are given um, to, to, to be on it. So it, it just makes it even more real, I guess, and, and a little bit more scary than it would be otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I think the when I take a step back and think about the big picture, um, I'm at high risk, you know, working in the environment that I work in. But again, most likely, even if I did contract the disease, I probably would do fine. But I would worry that, you know, who else would I give it to? Would I give yeah. it to another patient or colleague? Um, so I think that's a worry, just like, you know, what we preach to the public that, whether or not we may get sick as young, healthy people, our loved ones or others' loved ones, grandparents, et cetera, may, may become sick with it. Yeah. Right. Mm. <sighs> Are you finding any way to self-care? <laughs> any way or time? What does that look like for an ICU doctor right now? Um, my, I, I have maintained the things that are important for me for self-care. And for me, that's um, running, yoga, uh, and usually just like small bits of time outside on my own or mm. in the apartment, kind of just like general exercise is, I think, the best way. And then I, tr I do try to be healthy about getting, you know, six or seven hours of sleep. So I, I actually have done a pretty good job of keeping up with all that. Yeah, uh, you look gorgeous. And I, <laughs> I'm like, I look worse than you. <laughs> in the war <laughs> oh man you have um, some secrets <laughs> well, well, today is my day off so that always helps yeah a and, little day off um, glow yeah. <laughs> exactly and I did go for a nice run along the river um and so that always makes it you know just it's just like fresh air and the, the water is so quiet because there's not many people out and such so that's so refreshing to me so I've, yeah. I've kept up with that um, but good job. Yeah. But you know, just like everyone else, like you, it's, um, I mean, it's less lonely for me because I go in and I still work. Like I, mm -hmm. my life isn't terribly different from before. Um, but you know, you miss all of your friends and your family, yeah. all these other people. And I think I can't imagine, you know, I have one struggle of these patients I'm caring for, but this whole, our whole world is going through this pandemic together, but our mm. experiences are so, so different and how we all respond right. to this isolation and um, being out of work or being like in high demand at work. And it's, it's just so interesting um, how much that varies, even though right. we're kind of all going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. That's such a good point. Like some of like you're in the case where, like you said, your hours are about the same, but your whole job kind of just changed mm -hmm. um, dramatically and is intense and it has increased. The type of work has increased, but a lot of us just lost our jobs. So mm -hmm. it decreased to zero mm -hmm. all of a sudden. Great point. So different. Yeah. I think it's just going to be so interesting how, I mean, not just healthcare, like how this pandemic has affected that, but um, affected everyone's mental health, like how much that's going to shift for people 
Um, yeah. You know, I think that that's going to be a huge problem. We, ne- we didn't have enough mental health providers before this. To begin right? with, um, right. Yeah, and the amount of things that people are going to be dealing with or, you know, kind of festering with because they don't have anyone to talk to or access to that type of thing. Yeah. And and the removal of distractions or or ways that you could have avoided your mental health before for a lot mm-hmm. of us are gone. Right. So yeah. f- it's putting things into the spotlight and you know, we're gonna yeah, that's yeah. I, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. And for some people, you know, it's a lot about that activation of when you have those maybe negative thoughts about, you know, stepping up and like you know, I'm going to go do this one thing or, or, you know, that kind of like behavioral process of it. Um, and maybe being successful at work, you know, that was something that they, that was such a big motivator for them. I think people have lost so much, um, that I think, I think we're going to see so many different waves of how this has affected like our country and our world. Yes. Throughout 2020. Yeah. I feel so lucky that I was someone who was already working on all that for mm. years. <laughs> and I am someone who like prioritized spending my money on things that make me feel good and safe, like bath bombs. Like literally, I'm grateful <laughs> that I I was stocked on self-care supplies because yeah. that was something I already prioritized. I literally had that thought yesterday when I was putting on a face mask. I was like, I've done more face masks in the past three weeks than I ever have. And I'm like, so grateful for them because they make me feel like I'm taking care of myself and like I have some sense of normalcy. Well, speaking of face masks, Dr. Annette, is there um, something you can recommend? Because at least in LA, I mean, for, for breathing different masks, kind of face mask, um, yeah. Different kind of face mask. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> that, because uh, we have an ordinance now, we cannot go outside without covering our face. Yeah. Um, is there any tips that you know that we should aim for? Like what actually helps us? What works? Like, should I use a sheet, a bed sheet or a t-shirt or... How, how could I make a mask at home? Okay, so for those people, because, you know, a lot of people do actually have real surgical masks, as you see walking down the street, lots of people in surgical masks and N95s. So you yeah. mean if you don't have that. Then if you like, don't have that yeah. and you can't really order those right now. Right, exactly. What's your um, best bet to scrap something together? I would say something like smaller, like kind of bandana-like or like, I mean, not that many people have handkerchiefs anymore, but, you know, something of that size. Because I think you can tie it in a way that it will be somewhat fixed over your face so that you're not constantly adjusting and touching when you're going out and you may have, like, touched something um, that has coronavirus. So I would say whether that's, I don't know, even maybe like a small hand towel um, or like face towel Mm. or something like of that nature where you know it's just small enough that it can fit around you could tie it securely and hopefully that could last for the one hour or I guess depends on what the lines are like but yeah um, that you're spending at the grocery store yeah I also Um, heard of people taking old clothes and sewing that together to make a face mask which I think is really smart oh yeah I mean so many people are like sewing actual face masks I think not everyone either has a sewing machine or knows how to sew, but yeah. <laughs> you are able to, um, 
make one or if you had some other like snowboarding gear, things like that, that were just like kind of meant to just go straight up, up over your face and nose. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are much simpler. Yeah. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is important for the people, the public to know? That this is not a hoax. <laughs> yes, that's very important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy that we have to say they that. I already heard it. Right. Um, you know, who knows how this virus initially even came to be, but I think the reality is that it's here, it's everywhere, and so many people are already infected and we can't test everyone yet. Hopefully we're getting there as well as getting there with like vaccines. Um there's so much interesting research and, you know, maybe within a month we will actually find a solution. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot being done and things that we're trying within clinical trials, which um, is obviously very exciting for the world. Mm-hmm. But for now, the best thing, and only to reiterate, not that we haven't seen it, it a million times, but staying home and that's the best thing that you can do and convincing others to stay mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get your ass at home <laughs> and stare. Yeah. Know, what, a strange, what a strange, uh, what a strange change for yeah, our right. country to be like. It is time to stay at home. It's Do time something. for inaction. Finally, right. it's what you've always waited for, right? <laughs> well, can we oh give you a God. card reading? Yes. How? Yes. Um, I won't get to pick it though, I guess. I'll, <laughs> right, I'll be yeah. picking it for you. Okay. I have the cards here. Okay, um, so let me clear the deck and I'm just going to shuffle while we talk about what you might like guidance on. Mm. Well, I'm actually moving in um, nine days. Oh. So... Um, big change yeah yeah so that's gonna be um a big chapter of you know defining a new space with um some new relationships so just guidance on knowing what the right path is of um for my own self-care and for you know my relationships that are important to me okay I love it Guidance on the move. Let's see what goddess will help you to maintain that self-care. Okay, let's all do a deep inhale together. Got it. Butterfly maiden transformation. You you are experiencing enormous change right now, which brings great blessings. I love it. (laughs) It's a gorgeous, I'll describe it, um, gorgeous woman, a brunette. um, And she's got giant butterfly wings herself and is also surrounded by butterflies she's looks she looks calm like she's holding out her hands and just like uh, observing 
the beauty around her. Um, I've been followed by butterflies lately. I like keep pulling that card or like seeing them. I just keep getting reminded of like change. So that was, yeah, just another reminder. (laughs) How's it resonating so far? Well, I think it's incredibly applicable given everything that's going on. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 2020 has very much been a transformation so far. Right, right. Okay, let me read you the message. As you go through this period of change, it's natural for you to wonder if your future is safe. I'm here to assure you that you're part of nature's cycles of birth, death, and rebirth. To bring in your desired newness, you must first allow old parts of your life to fall away. I know you're Marie Kondoing, so you're literally doing (laughs) it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm almost done too. Nice. (laughs) These changes are not, oh, these changes are to be celebrated, not feared. Give thanks for this shedding of the old. Mm. Embrace all of the lessons it brought and then let it go. Be giddy with excitement at the newness of the gifts that are now being bestowed upon you and let their magic surprise and delight you. Various meanings. Don't be concerned about endings as they're bringing in the new for you. Your prayers have been answered with this change. Let go of the old don't worry about these changes. They're truly for the best. Oh, wow. Love yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, upgrade. I yeah. feel like your yeah. is about to upgrade your life. I know, <laughs> I know because you're my sister that the, um, the square footage is about to increase because you're going from a really tiny, the tiniest apartment you've ever lived in because Boston real estate is insane oh. um, to a, a big apartment, right? Yeah, it's like double what we have. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so I feel like the message for you with this is to release those little bit of worries. I hope this card gives you like some sort of faith that it's all actually positive this change is is a little scary but it's Mm -hmm. really 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 for the best like you're gonna look back on it and be like that's when a major upgrade happened you're emerging from the cocoon (laughs) I love it small little cocoon (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously it's very like reaffirming because I think I'm I am very excited there's some things that I am a little worried about but um I think that that's very like encouraging and warming to hear yeah I love it yes good um fly away butterfly (laughs) spread your wings (laughs) um we like to end every episode with a basic blessing because I'm assuming you don't really have anything to plug you don't need listeners to go follow your Instagram like you're a busy doctor oh my gosh um yeah no I'm so um limited on social media so okay thing to plug. although I do think actually the magic of tidying up that I literally read as you mentioned I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh doing the Marie Kondo and it actually is literally the perfect time to go through this process when you're yeah. quarantining at home and going through I mean it's been amazing 
but that's how you recommend that plugging Marie yes. Kondo. Love I it. recommend yes. it it's been a yes. trans- also a transformative experience for me <sighs> yes. I've done it too and I loved it it's crazy how like clearing stuff out actually makes you feel like you have more yeah yes. yes oh so so true so true all right then let's do a basic blessing something we're each grateful for today um, I'll go first. I'm so grateful for people like you, Annette, and all the nurses and doctors and healthcare workers that helped my grandmother and that are helping thousands of other people around the world. So thank you for doing what I could not do. Yeah, Leah would faint. She yeah, would I would for real. I could not do it. I would faint. <laughs> I'm going to have to like prick her finger for her because we're going to do um, this test thing and... Uh, she, yeah, she can't do it. Um, <laughs> I'm also grateful, obviously, uh, for, for healthcare workers, like, and I'm grateful for you for taking the time, which you have such little free time to share your time with us and our listeners. So grateful. Um, yes. but for my basic blessing today, um, I'm grateful that I am learning to just let my emotions out. I've been, um, with this quarantine, I've been crying even um, because I'm learning that you have to just let it out mm-hmm. or it gets worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and I'm just grateful that I guess I have the support around me where they can handle the fact that I might be doing yoga with you and just have to cry during yoga. And it's, <laughs> yeah. that's normal <laughs> right now. Yeah. I heard recently that crying is washing your soul. And it's probably <laughs> been said so many times. And I've never heard that, but I, like I actually, it. I know I really liked it. I thought it was like that just very nice and I wash my soul several times a day exactly right. my soul is so clean expression <laughs> so clean um I would say I am so grateful for having such an amazing family mm-hmm. uh they are so incredible and supportive and and feel that they still have so many people around them that love them at a time like this when you're physically so alone Mm -hmm. so I think I'm just so lucky that I have amazing parents and siblings and people who you know think of me every day and reach out and are just so warm and wonderful Mm -hmm. I love your family too (laughs) (laughs) I cried on our family zoom call uh, because I was like just feeling the exact same thing she's saying that me and Annette are so lucky to have uh, automatically nine other people in our lives that support us because we yeah, have a huge amazing. ass family that's very loving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sweet. yeah. Ditto. Oh, thank you thank again, you, Dr. Annette. And our <laughs> listeners have already had you in their thoughts and prayers and hearts and magical spells. Um, and they're going to continue to. I know it. Yeah. So you have all of them too. Thank you guys. I love the show, obviously, and I'm a huge fan. So I'm excited I got to <laughs> hang out with you guys today. This Hell is awesome. yes. Love <laughs> you so much. Witches, this show is made possible by listeners like you who contribute on our Patreon. If you want to join the Basic Witches Coven, become a patron. And as a thank you for your support, we'll give you all kinds of witchy goodness, like card readings and custom art. 
We'll see you in the coven. Hexo, hexo, basic witches.